Welcome to Tart Imecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Batya Brander, and today we will be studying the second chapter in the book of Haggai. In our class on Haggai, the first chapter, we discuss that Haggai's prophecy occurs after the Purim story. He carries the message to those who are living in Eretz Yisrael that Hashem wants them to build the base Hamikdash. The chapter 1 prophecies all take place in Elul, the second year of Daryavish, the king of Hershemids, likely the son of Esther and Achashverosh. Our second chapter opens the 21st of Tishrei, which is actually Hoshan Rabbah, which is the day before Simchat Torah slash Shemini Atzeret, a very holy day on the Jewish calendar. About a month earlier, the Jews had begun gathering stones, hewing stones, and gathering and shaping wood in order to build the second Beit HaMikdash. Here we are nearly a month later, and the Jews have gathered in this location, which was the future home of the Beit HaMikdash. Here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending a message of comfort to those older Jews who had been around during the time of the first Beit HaMikdash, which was destroyed only 70 years earlier. And so if you were 80 years old at this point, you would have a very distinct memory of the previous Beit HaMikdash. And so the parak opens, This is occurring on the 21st day of the seventh month, which is Tishrei. So he's telling him that he wants him to say this to everybody. Notice the word na, emor na. We're going to see that repeated that supplicating language, that softer pleading language that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is using here. Pasa Gimel, Mi bachem hanishar, those of you who are still around, asher et habayat hazeh b'chvodo harishon, who had seen this beautiful, incredible Beis HaMikdash in its initial glory, ma'atem ro'im oto, how do you see it, ata, now? In your eyes, it must seem as if it's nothing. This is reminiscent of the motivational speech that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Yehoshua so many years ago when the Jews came into the land of Israel. Chazak, be strong. Va'asu, and do. And in a moment, we'll understand what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants them to do. I will be with you. I am with you, says Hashem Tzvakos. And then the next Pasuk, Pasuk K, continues. So the Mepharshim understand that this first part of the Pasuk, the covenant which I made with you, which I sealed with you when you came out of Egypt, that's what I want you to do. Keep the Torah and mitzvos, which is part of the covenant that we sealed at Har Sinai when you came out of Mitzrayim. And then what will happen? Then my spirit will stand amidst you, and you'll have nothing to fear. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us that if we keep Torah and mitzvos, then it could be that Nevuah will continue, and this will be the ultimate Beit HaMikdash, as we've talked about in the previous chapter. Chagah continues in this message by sharing with the Jews of the time that although it is not immediately going to rival the first Beit HaMikdash, but there will come a time soon when the Beit HaMikdash will reach incredible glory. And he continues in Pasuk Vav, Ki amar Hashem tzvakos, od echad ma'ati, in a little while, you're going to see incredible things. God is saying, I'm going to make the earth and the, the heavens and the seas and 
and the dry land, all of it's going to quake. There's going to be massive change. Pasuk Zayin, Virashti et kol hagayim, and I will shake up all of the nations. Now, Rashi understands this to be referring to the miracles that are going to occur at the time of the Hashmonaim, both in terms of their military conquests and in terms of the miracles that occur in the Beit HaMikdash, the miracles of the oil. Uvol chemdat kol hagayim, and the precious things of all of the nations will come to the Beit HaMikdash. Vimileti et kavod, and I will fill this house with honor, Amar Hashem Tzvakos. So says Hashem. Hashem is saying that all of the wealth in the world belongs to him. And therefore, Hashem says that if he wills it, he can all of that wealth brought to Eretz Yisrael, to the Beit HaMikdash. And the honor of this bayit will be greater than the first one, Amar Hashem Tzvakos promises Hashem. And in this place, I will bring peace. There's a disagreement amongst the various commentators here. Some feel that this is specifically referring to the second Beit HaMikdash. And we know, based on the works of Josephus, that the last period of time of the Beit HaMikdash, it was an incredibly magnificent building. It was built by Herod who after having sinned quite a bit and being quite horrible and killing out many of the tzaddikim, many of the chachamim, many of the wise people and the righteous people, he uh, sought to make some amends and he beautified the Beit HaMikdash and they say that it had never been anything like that before. Others say that in what way will this be greater? The second Beit HaMikdash will last longer than the first first Beit HaMikdash. The first Beit HaMikdash is 410 years, and the second Beit HaMikdash is more than 410 years. And the Shalom here refers to those times of peace and tranquility that did exist at times during the second Beit HaMikdash, when in fact there was great scholarship, great Torah learning, and at times even prosperity. And then there are those who say, no, this is not talking about this second Beit HaMikdash at all. It's talking about in the future time, the Beit HaMikdash HaShlishi, or the final Beit HaMikdash, which will exceed in glory everything that has come before it. Pasukud onward, the rest of the prophecies take place on the 24th of Kislev. So fast forward a couple months. And this is where the prophecies become extremely enigmatic. We're going to see... The first thing is that Haggai is going to test the Kohanim on their knowledge of the laws of purity and impurity and holiness. And it is a rather confusing subject. In the time of the Beit HaMikdash and bringing Karbanot, bringing sacrifices, every Jew had to be aware of the laws concerning Tuma and Tahara, purity, ritual purity and ritual impurity, as well as aware of their particular state at any given time, because it would be prohibited to go into the Beit HaMikdash and to bring a Karban if one was ritually impure. Let's read the Psukim and try and understand this topic better. Pasuk Yod, Be'esrim Ve'arba L'Tish'i, so we're talking about the 24th of Kislev, as we mentioned, the second year of Daryavesh. Ko amar Hashem tzvakot, so says Hashem, our Lord of hosts, she'al na et ha-kohanim Torah lemor. I want you to ask the Kohanim this question about Torah saying, Hain yisa ish besar kodesh beknaf begdo, if someone carries 
an, a, a piece of meat that is kodesh. Here it means designated in the corner of his garment. So most of the commentaries understand that this particular piece of meat is tame. And v'naga beknafo el halechem. Now his garment touches the bread. Ve'el hanazid and some cooked food. Ve'el hayayin wine. Ve'el shemen or oil. Ve'el kol ma'achal and any other food. Hayikdash. Will that item become tame as well? Ve'yanu hakohanim ve'yomu lo. And the kohanim said no. Most commentaries understand the answer of the of the kohanim to be wrong. That indeed it would become tame. Now he's asking them if a tame mace, uh, defiling by virtue of a deceased person, had contact with any of these, would they become impure? And the Kohanim this time correctly answer yes, it would become ritually impure. A very strong statement of Chagai that just like this nation, just like these people, everything that they do will be Tame. The point being made by most of the Mepharshim is that they made a mistake, they don't know what they're doing, and therefore everything they come in contact with will ultimately become impure because they don't know the halachos. And that's the main point that that Chagai is trying to bring out here, that they don't know the halachos. The Malbim understands these psukim a little bit differently. He understands that the first pasuk, the first question, is not talking about ritual impurity, but rather what is designated, what is hektesh, something that is kadosh has been designated to the Beit HaMikdash, if it comes in contact with something else, does it transfer that kadusha, thus making this new item only usable in the Beit HaMikdash? That's what, according to the Malbim Chagai, is asking. And the second of the two questions, the Malbim understands to be talking about ritual impurity, tuma. And the point that he wants to make is the following. When it comes to impurity, the lightest, littlest contact can transfer that impurity. A first degree impurity, second degree impurity, I touch this and it touches that and that touches this, and yet they're all impure. Look how easy it is to transfer impurity from one to another. But actually, when it comes to hektesh, when it comes to something that's holy, it does not get transferred just by contact. You actually have to have the holy item absorbed into the secondary item. In other words, if I took a piece of bread and I soaked up meat juice that was holy, then yes, that piece of bread that had soaked up the meat juice, it too would be rendered holy and you could only eat it in the Beit HaMikdash. However, however, if it's just like a jar or a container and it's touching the outside but doesn't get absorbed in, then the holiness doesn't transfer. Says the Malbim, you want to know what the secret to the success of this project is going to be? You have to understand, you people who've been living now in this land for 18 years since you were invited back to Israel, you have to understand that you could be so easily influenced by the people around you. It's so easy to, for the tumma, for the impurity to rub off one on the other. 
But what you need to do is you need instead to not just make contact with holiness, not just have a superficial relationship with holiness, but find sources of holiness and bring them inside, swallow them, so to speak, make them a part and parcel of you. And that way their holiness will transfer onto you. Chaga continues, and now, please pay attention from this day forward before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Through that time, used to be that when one came to a heap of 20 measures, and there were only 10, one came out to the wine vat to draw out 50 measures, but there were only 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail and all the works of your hands, and yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. It sounds like we've heard this before, yet the Malbim says something beautiful. He says the language here literally means put your heart into it. Put your heart into the building of this Beit HaMikdash. The Malbim says that not only should we be paying attention to the change that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make now that we are rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash, and we know he was going to give us bracha, but also sim levavchem, simuna levavchem literally means put your heart into it. You're creating the house of Hashem, not just a physical building, a structure, but a building like that with no heart won't have Kedusha in it. The Kedusha, the holiness, as he said earlier, doesn't stick to the external and the superficial, only if it penetrates within. In his closing words to the people, Haggai continues, Simu na levavchem min hayom hazevamala, miyom esrim va'arba letishi, min hayom asher yusad hechal Hashem, Simu levavchem, consider, I pray you, from this day forward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it, ha'od zera b'magura, va'ad ha'gefen, va'ata'ena, va'arimon, ve'etz hazayit, lo nasa min hayom hazeh avarech. Is there seed yet in the barn, in the vine, in the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree hasn't brought forth, but from this day I will bless you. Again, the Malbim says, from this day forward, remember not to do only superficial and external things. This is a building that needs kavanat halev, focus of the heart, intention, and only then will we see incredible bracha. The parak closes with Chagai speaking now to Zerubavel. And there's a little bit of a backstory here. It opens with Again, it's on the 24th day of the month. I will shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of kingdoms of the nations. I will overthrow the those chariots. He's saying that there's going to be a time where not only will all of the enemies be destroyed, but they're going to destroy one another. We're not going to have to get involved in this. 
ביום ההוא נאום השם צבקוס, השם is promising here, אקוחך חזרו בבל בן שלטיאל עבדי, he calls him שלטיאל, my servant, I will take you נאום השם ושמתיך כחותם, and I will make you like a signet ring, something that has my stamp on it, כי וכה בחרתי, because I've chosen you, נאום השם צבקוס, says השם צבקוס. So what is the back story? His grandfather, Yechania, was told by Yermia, you will have no children. I will not make you a chotam. What does it mean, I will make you a chotam, I will make you a signet? It means I'm going to stamp you permanently, that from you will be Malchut Beit David. What's interesting here is that that very similar language is used in Yermiyahu. Rashi here paraphrases what it says in Yermiyahu about Yechania, where Hashem swears that he will never turn Yechania into a chotam, into a signet on his hand. In fact, he says, I will make this man barren. He will never have any children. But in fact, Yohanya went down to Bavel and he did tshuva. And as a result of his tshuva, this decree was overturned. Who is the grandson who is the direct result of that tshuva? That's Rubavel ben Shaltiel. The message here is magnificent. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is reminding Zerubavel, and in fact all of us, that we can rewrite the ending to our own story. By putting our heart into what we do and having proper kavana, we can change the ending. May it be Hashem's will that quickly in our days we can see the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. Thank you for studying together. Le'iloi nishmat Riva Bat Alexander Sender.